with a series on man, the image of God, and in this particular series we're dealing with the body of man, which is our outward man as revealed to us in Scripture. And um, in the previous teaching we touched, we carried on with the, the area of fasting, and we said at the outset of this series of teachings that um, that which we teach on in this particular series is all going to be practical stuff because these are things we do in the body. And uh, so fasting is one of the things that uh, we see in Scripture that is uh, taught to the body of Christ, that we should um, give ourselves to fasting. And so we've been looking at various aspect or aspects of fasting. And we saw that the early church certainly practiced fasting as part of their lifestyle. And uh, we said that the church has uh, not changed in any way. Um, and that which the early church practiced, we should also practice because the book of Acts specifically was given to us um, to show the church throughout the ages the example that the Holy Spirit has put forward to us so that we can follow after that example. And um, one of the scriptures we looked at was in Acts 14, 23, the scripture says, So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And there was Paul and his ministry team. They gave themselves over to fasting on a regular basis. And then we saw that uh, fasting does have, obviously, spiritual connotations to it. So there is a spiritual impact to uh, fasting in the physical. Um, and one of the impacts we saw was the, the account where our Lord dealt with a particular demon, the epileptic demon. Um, well, it was a, a dumb and deaf spirit that had taken hold of that young man. Um, and our Lord could deal with that demon because he had given himself over to fasting and prayer. Obviously, his faith was involved. Um, but the disciples couldn't get that particular demon cast out because they hadn't given themselves to any fasting. We know that uh, in our, when our Lord was with the disciples on the earth, that they never fasted. They might, they might have prayed, um, but certainly not uh, a lot of prayer. And so they were not able to cast out that particular demon because that particular demon our Lord said only comes out through prayer and fasting that's in Mark 9 verse 29 and then we saw that fasting also helps us to get revelation uh, from the Holy Spirit as to his uh, perfect will for our lives and um, we saw uh, Peter was fasting on the day that he received the vision from the Lord we saw that Cornelius was fasting on the day that the angel appeared to him and uh, we had a look at the scripture in Acts 13 2 um, where Paul and Barnabas and the ministry team in the church at Antioch were ministering to the Lord and fasting. And it was in that environment that the Holy Spirit then spoke to them and said, Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work wherein to have called them. And they were then sent out as apostles to the church. And so fasting definitely opens up the channel for us to receive revelation from the Lord uh, regarding his guidance for our lives. And then we saw that there is instruction given to the church the church in the epistles um, as to just how we should fast. And one of those instructions given is that when uh, a husband and a wife decide that they're going to give themselves over to fasting and prayer for a period of time, that they're also to then abstain from intimacy between the two of them. And that we saw in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 5. And then we looked at... Uh, Briefly, we looked at our natural diet. Um, 
and because again as we said this this teaching is a practical teaching on how we deal with these physical bodies that we dwell in and we saw that uh, we're not to overindulge in um, our intake of food and that we're to treat food with the, the in the right context in other words and our lord said life is more than food that's in luke chapter 12 verse 23 and uh, the apostle paul said food is for the stomach and stomach for foods and that is in 1 Corinthians 6.13. And so, you know, we should not get hung up on this issue of food. Um, we're to eat that which our bodies require. And we shouldn't partake of any more. And we had a look at the Old Testament. We saw where, how God fed the children of Israel for 40 years. And He gave them only that which they needed every day. He never gave them e excess amounts of food. And so there actually weren't any fat Jews walking around in the wilderness for that 40 year period because they couldn't get fat because there just wasn't an excess amount of food available to them. God had deemed this is how much you, you're going to get every day. And God can do that because he's created these bodies. He knows what our bodies need. And so that's really just the, it, it's the balanced lifestyle. And we said, you know, there's the, we're to enjoy the food that the Lord does bless us with because there's, uh, that's part of life and that is part of His blessing that comes into our lives. But we're not to become fixated with that uh, part of life, should I say. And then we saw that uh, under the New Covenant, all foods are clean to the believer and we have no dietary um, constraints placed upon us in, under the New Covenant like the Jews did under the Old. Um, or even now today, they still are under that old covenant, and so those constraints are still placed upon them. But under the new covenant, the saint is uh, free to eat whatever they want to. Um, all foods are clean um, for us, and that's in Romans 14, 14. And then we touched on bodily exercise, and we saw that uh, in 1 Timothy 4:18, the Holy Spirit did say to us, that bodily exercise does profit a little. So a lot of people say, well, if it only profits a little, why are you going to do it? Um, well, a little profit is certainly going to help. So, you know, partake of it rather. So that, as we, again, we said, um, all of it is in balance. So we don't, you know, we don't become fanatical about what we eat. And we don't become fanatical about uh, doing bodily exercise. But we live a balanced lifestyle. And so we eat whatever we want to eat, and we eat uh, the right amounts of food, simple as that. Um, and then we do sufficient exercise so that we can go through life without any kind of bodily constraints. And we, we looked at our Lord Jesus as the example, and we said, let's have a look at our Lord's lifestyle, uh, because He walked this earth as a man, in bodies like we dwell in. And let's see how fit He was. Because we, we said if we were going to be disciples of the Lord, if our Lord is walking on the earth today and we were his disciples, we should be able to keep up with him wherever he wanted to go. And so we looked at our Lord and we saw that very often our Lord would climb mountains to go pray uh, to God. And he would walk wherever he went. There were obviously the times they sailed across the Sea of Galilee. But by and large, our Lord walked everywhere he went. And he, he walked some major distances. Um, and we said that's the kind of fitness level that the believer should have so that if the Lord said to us, uh, Mike, we want to go through to Capernaum today to go uh, minister there, are you going to join us? Then we can say, yes, Lord, not a problem, I'll follow you. Or Mike, I'm going to go up uh, on the mountain tonight to go pray, you're going to come join me. Yes, Lord, lead the way, I'll follow you. And so there's no bodily constraints upon us because of our 
lack of uh, bodily exercise, lack of fitness. And we, we also looked at the fact that because we, uh, people do come up with the argument, they say, yes, but the Lord was still a young man when he walked around on the earth, and so he could walk all these long distances. And we proved through the scriptures very clearly, uh, in conjunction with looking at historical uh, timeline and records, that in fact our Lord Jesus was uh, uh, 40 years old when he went to the cross. And so it was from the age 38 through to age 40, the last uh, two years of his 30s, that our Lord then did uh, walk all these long distances and climb mountains. Now obviously before, as a younger man, he would do the same as well. But nevertheless, uh, we just wanted to show the fact that as, an, as a 40-year-old, our Lord was doing all of these activities, and we should have the same kind of uh, uh, fitness in our bodies, that we can uh, stay with our Lord no matter what He wanted to do. And so that's the, that's the balance again. So we don't want to, we, we're not saying become fitness fanatics. We're not saying become complete health fanatics. We're not saying that at all. We're just saying there's a balance to our life. And, you know, we should not, not use these muscles in any way because the muscles, if they don't get used, they become flabby. And so we should use the muscles, exercise them to a degree, but we don't go overboard on the issue. And so there's uh, three more areas we want to touch on today, which again are just practical areas on how we look after these physical bodies that we reside in. Because go back to the outset of this series of teaching, we said that these bodies do not belong to us, they in fact belong to God. He is the landlord, we are the tenant. And so as the tenant, we are required to maintain our bodies in a certain manner. Um, and God then does His part. And so that's really what we're looking at. We're looking at, again, the balance between ourselves and God. You know, a lot of people, they, they um, go through life and they abuse their bodies. They, you know, do, uh, they do whatever they want to do with their bodies. And eventually their bodies begin to fail because, you know, of a chosen lifestyle. Um, and then they go to the Lord and they say, Lord, heal this body. And the Lord, you know, kind of looks at them and says, but, you know, why should I? Because what are you doing with my, the body I've given you? you? You're the one who actually has caused this body to fail because of your chosen lifestyle. Now, if I was to heal you, are you going to change your lifestyle? Or would, would you just go back straight into the way you used to live? And so, you know, you, you'll be back here within a few more months asking for prayer again. Um, now, I'm not saying that the Lord will refuse to, to heal us. That's not the issue. What I am saying is that there is a responsibility placed upon us. Um, yeah, God expects us to use common sense. He's given us a brain uh, that we can use, that we can intelligently uh, negotiate life. And so he's given us certain counsel. He said, guys, this is the way you should look after this body that I've given you. And so if we choose to abuse it and then the body begins to fail, then well, it's not really the Lord's fault because we have been disobedient in certain areas. And so we want to look at uh, an area now that uh, we touched on, I mentioned earlier, uh, and that is the area of physical rest. These bodies require physical rest. God has <clears throat> not designed these bodies to just, up from the time they're born until the time they, they, they die, to just work and do stuff and, and carry on. Uh, not at all. These bodies um, God has designed so that they will be given, and they need to be given over to time of rest. And that's every day. We need to give our bodies time to rest and sleep. These bodies need sleep. It's, it's a requirement. Just like these bodies need food intake, 
um, and these bodies need to be exercised, so these bodies also need uh, the right amount of sleep. Again, we're going into the balance again. Uh, this Christian life that we walk is a balanced lifestyle. And whenever you get weird doctrine taught in the church, it's because the balance has been lost. And so uh, uh, a passage of scripture is taken to the extreme and people begin to live in the extreme. Um, and on both sides of the road, by the way, guys go off into the ditch on the right or on the left. But the Christian walk is a balanced lifestyle. And that is what we need to be uh, always um, keep in mind with our Christian walk. And so it pertains to the, how we look after our physical bodies as well. And so we do need to uh, partake of sleep because um, the correct amount of sleep is vital for the well-being of these physical bodies that we dwell in. If we deprive these bodies of uh, the correct amount of sleep and rest, uh, then very quickly they begin to uh, pack up and fail. And so it's a very a serious thing when we uh, deprive our bodies of sleep. Now there's numerous reasons why people battle to sleep. It, uh, too much work, stress, uh, worry, that type of thing uh, robs the person of sleep. But now that's not from the Lord because the Lord does not rob His children from sleep because He's the one who's prescribed sleep for the body. Um, this, these bodies are designed by God. He knows exactly how they should function. Um, and so he is not the one who withdraws sleep from um, a believer. If a believer is battling in this area and cannot sleep, um, and so we need to be very aware of this because uh, we need to be walking in God's will for our lives in looking after our bodies. A scripture we can look at is in Psalm 127 verse 2. The scripture says, It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for he gives his beloved sleep. And so our Lord is saying, guys, don't get caught up. You get people that work until 2, 3, 4 in the morning, get a couple of hours sleep, and they're back at work the next day. Um, and the Lord's saying, that's not right. That's not how I've designed you to operate. Um, and so it, he says, it's vain for you to rise up early and sit up late. Um, for he gives to his beloved sleep. And so sleep is a gift from the Lord. He imparts his sleep, not his sleep, but the sleep that our bodies need. He gives that to us. And another scripture we can look at is in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 24. The scripture says, when you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. And so we should be um, in having a good night's rest. These bodies need to have a good, good night's rest. That's how God has designed them. And that's the, the, our sleep should be sweet. So it shouldn't be that when we go to sleep at night that we toss and turn and um, we suffer with nightmares and all that type of thing. You wake up in the morning, you get people that wake up and they're actually quite exhausted because they just did not have a, a, a good night's sleep and their sleep was certainly not sweet. And so we need to be partaking of the sleep that our Lord gives us. Well, the scripture says very plainly, He gives His beloved sleep and their sleep shall be sweet. And so when you go to bed at night, you need to just by faith, receive that from the Lord. Say, Lord, I thank you that you give to your beloved sleep and that my sleep is sweet. And receive that from God and then you will, you will experience that at night. You will be able to sleep uh, quite easily 
and you will wake up refreshed in the morning. Um, and so one of the reasons why people don't sleep well is because they give themselves over to too much work. We saw that in, in, in the scripture. Our Lord says it's vain for you guys to rise up early and stay up late um, because that's not what I've called you to do. So overworking can um, be detrimental, obviously detrimental to the individual sleep because they don't get enough sleep. And so our Lord says that's not the way to go. That's not how I've called you to operate in the earth. But there is a balance again, because again, as we said, this Christian lifestyle is a balanced lifestyle. And so just this too much work can uh, negatively affect our sleep. The scripture also says and teaches us that uh, the right amount of work actually enhances our sleep, that we can actually enjoy our sleep. And let's have a look at the scripture. It's in, Ecclesia, in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 12, the scripture says, the sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of the rich will not permit him to sleep. And so our Lord's saying, if you put in a good day's work, um, then your sleep is going to be sweet. The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eats little or much. So he's saying that it, it, it doesn't matter whether you, you know, you're a laboring man and you have a, a fantastic income, or you're a laboring man and you just earn a minimum wage. Nevertheless, if you put in a, a good day's work, your sleep will be sweet. That is part of the promise of God to us. Now it's interesting to see in this passage that um, he says that the abundance of the rich will not permit him to sleep. And so people who are extremely wealthy very often don't sleep very well. One of the reasons they don't is because they're always worried about their wealth as to you know, what the latest uh, stock market, market figure things are doing and you know, whether their wealth is being preserved or not. Um, so, but be that as it may. But nevertheless, the, the work that we do during the day impacts on the quality of sleep we have at night. And so if we do excess work, it's going to negatively impact on our quality of sleep and obviously the, the, the amount of sleep we have. But if we do the right amount of work during the day, then it will impact positively on our sleep at night and we will have a, um, a peaceful sleep and we will wake up refreshed in the morning ready for the new day. And that's how God has designed us to operate in this life. And so there's the balance. We should be working, but not overworking. And if we get that balance right, then our, our sleep is, uh, will that become, get sorted out as well. That becomes right as well in our lives. Now, there are going to be times where we will have to give ourselves over to excessive workloads. Um, there's going to be seasons in our lives where we will be required to do excess amount of work. And in those instances, uh, sleeplessness will obviously kick in because you know the, the spiritual law is there and our Lord has said it. If you guys stay up late, get up early, um, then your quality of your sleep is going to deteriorate. And so when we do go through our se those seasons of excess workloads, then sleeplessness will be a part and parcel of that. And that is also scriptural. That is something that God also allows us to go through from time to time and the scripture we can look at is in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 4 and 5 scripture says but in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much patience in tribulations in needs in distresses 
in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings. And so here Paul and his ministry team, there were times that they, they would go through periods of sleeplessness because of the workload of the ministry that they were in and obviously the kind of uh, environments that they found themselves in from time to time. And so there are going to be seasons where sleeplessness will kick in because of where we are in that season. But that always has to be only for a short period of time. If it's over a prolonged period of time, then it starts to fall outside of the will of God. And uh, we're no longer walking as God intended. Because as I'm saying, it, it, there are going to be short seasons of time when you know, we're just going to be inundated with work and so that's going to disrupt our sleep and we will have periods of sleeplessness based on that but again the scripture teaches us that it's only for short periods of time that this actually does happen and then it should go back to the norm again and we need to then uh, correct amount of sleep and also there are times when you're putting a lot of effort and then you need to withdraw and recuperate and, and um, get the right amount of rest to balance out that excess workload that you went through. And let's have a look at a, a scripture that just gives us the Lord as an example again. He puts out the example to his church as to how we're to treat this uh, part of life. And that's in Mark chapter 6, verse uh, 31 and 32. Scripture says, And he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat bread. Verse 32, So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. And so this was in the town of Capernaum. What had happened is that word had gotten out all over the place that Jesus could heal the sick, and also his disciples could heal the sick. Uh, at this point in time, the whole ministry team that were working for the Lord were all laying hands on the sick and healing them. And so multitudes were coming in, so much so that Jesus and, our, and his team couldn't get time to eat a proper meal because there was just these queues of people coming all the time. And so eventually our Lord says, okay, enough's enough, that's it. And he pulls his whole team out of the town and he takes them to a deserted place, they went to Bethsaida, I think it was, to go and rest and recuperate. Um, and so that our Lord is putting the example to us. He's showing us, guys, this is how you do it. There's going to be times when there's going to be seasons where the workload is going to be excessive. And because, you know, God was attracting all of those who were set to come be ministered to by the Lord and his ministry team. Um, but eventually our Lord said, okay, now, Father, that's enough. We, I can see my team is starting to wear out and get tired. Um, and so I'm going to just pull them out. And so he did. And he pulled the whole team out and they went and recuperated. And then they went back into ministry after that time of rest. And so... That is the, the example that our Lord puts out to us, that we need to be um, getting the balance right again. You see, this Christian walk is a balanced lifestyle. It's, we don't get it into excesses on either side of the ditch. We stay in the middle of the road, and that's uh, how we are meant to walk this Christian walk. And so just as uh, we should be enjoying the sleep that our Lord gives us, and we should be um, having the right amount of sleep, so it also we should not get off into the ditch on the other side and in um, what's word I'm looking for and having too much sleep for there are those 
who rest more than they labor. And that's not a good balance, to rest more than you labor, because we, we reap what we sow, uh, Galatians 6, 7. And so if we're not going to be out there sowing, then we shouldn't complain when the time comes to reap and there's very little for us to reap because we haven't been sowing. And so there's the balance again. And so there are those who give themselves over to more rest than labor. And when they do, it impacts negatively on that individual's life primarily in the area of finances. They start to take strain financially. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 13 says, Do not love sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you will be satisfied with, satisfied with bread. And so there's a balance. So you, know, you get people that you know, they, they sleep till 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, how they do that, I don't know, but they do that. And they, you know, they, they just are lazy is one of the ways you can put it across. But the, the scripture says, do not love sleep. So you get people that just love to, to sleep. Um, and you've got to be careful about that issue because we're not to go down that road. So we, you know, as we're not to neglect sleep, so we're not to partake of too much sleep. Because the, as I said, the scripture does teach us that there is a negative impact. And the, pop, the impact is on, uh, it says, lest you come to poverty. So there's a... A financial impact that kicks in in the believer's life if they love sleep and begin to partake too much of sleep and so that's now dealing with the rest of our bodies I'm talking about giving our bodies rest um, and I trust that you've understood the balance that we need to be enjoying in life on that issue the next section I want to deal with today is the, the area of addictions um, because addictions deal with the body again and um, when these bodies become addicted to anything, well, that's never a good thing. And so we do need to deal with, affections, uh, with addictions. Now, any form of addiction is not from God. God doesn't uh, allow the addictions into individuals. He allows it, sorry, but uh, God doesn't bring the addiction into the individual's life. Um, that is not from God. Now, when we get born again, uh, we get new spirits, our consciences are cleansed, but we don't get new bodies. So you, you, very often what happens is that when believers are born again, before they're saved, they have become addicted to something in life, whatever it might be. Um, physically, I'm talking about, um, like obviously other addictions as well. And so that addiction is there. Now when they get born again, they don't get new bodies. And so very often, the addiction remains with the believer after they're saved. The addiction doesn't go away. Now, quite often, it does happen. When a believer comes into the kingdom of God, that God supernaturally deals with that addiction at the same time, and they're set free straight away. But that's not always the case. There are instances, and it seems to be more the majority of the case, that when, you, when Christians come into the kingdom of God, the physical addictions that they had before they were saved remain uh, a problem for them after they are saved and so they need to be able to deal with those addictions now <clears throat> addiction is essentially giving over to um, be, becoming enslaved by something that the body requires and it starts to 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 crave after and the scripture we can look at is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 12 um, the scripture says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. 
all things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And so uh, a Christian who is addicted to something has been brought under the power of that issue, whatever it might be. Um, and so we, we need to break from addictions because that's not the will of the Lord for his children to have any addictions that are, that, 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 then we're not to be bound because that's what an addiction is. It binds the believer. It, there, there's a stronghold there that uh, forces the believer down a certain path and that's not of God. So, as we said, when we come into the kingdom of God, sometimes um, it happens that God supernaturally breaks the addiction and the, the Christian is set free right from day one. But most of the time, it's a case of when the Christian comes into the kingdom of God, they're born again, because the addiction is always a physical thing by, by and large. Um, you obviously get uh, addictions in our, our way our, we think, um, and that's also in the brain pretty much. So the, the addiction, so what happens is over a period of time, as the, the Christian grows stronger in their spirits, so there is a gradual um, being set free from the addiction. And so the addiction becomes less and less of an issue until it's, it's a non-issue in the Christian's life uh, as they go on with their lives. But nevertheless, um, we do need to break free from addictions because it's not the will of the Lord for any of his children to be bound by anything. And so when we are we give in to we become addicted to something, it's because we have given in to the desires of the flesh. We've we've been drawn away and enticed by temptation and we have partaken of something and we have then gone further into that and eventually we have become bound in that particular area. And the scripture we can look at says in James chapter 1 verse 14, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And so the, the desires that James is talking about here is the desires of the flesh. And so the, we get tempted um, and drawn away by the desires of our flesh. Our flesh is uh, enjoys sin. We dealt with that right up front. We said these bodies are sinful in nature. And so given the free reign, they will always partake of sin. And so when a, when a Christian is tempted and enticed and drawn away by his own fleshly desires, um, that's when they, they, they open themselves up to becoming addicted in certain areas. And that's not uh, the will of the Lord for his children at all. And so we need to learn how to break free from addictions in our lives, whatever those addictions might be. Now, an addiction is always going to be um, influenced by a demonic spirit. Now, it doesn't mean that the Christian has a demon on the inside of them in their spirits, because that's impossible. Um, because we're born again and the Holy Spirit resides on our, uh, in our spirit. But nevertheless, demons can and do operate by affecting our physical bodies. That's, some, that's just a given. They can um, impact on these bodies if we allow them to. And so when a, a believer, and let's just talk about a believer who was addicted to something before they were saved and they'll still remain addicted and bound after they're saved. Well, that demon that got a hold of them before they were saved in their bodies is still hanging on to that body after they're saved because we don't get new bodies once we're saved. Um, and so that demon needs to be dealt with. That addiction needs to be dealt with. 
And the Lord has given us a couple of pointers in Scripture as to just how we're meant to overcome addictions in our lives. And the first one we can look at is in Matthew chapter 6, uh, 26, sorry, verse 41. Our Lord says, Watch and pray, why, Lord, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so one of the keys that our Lord gives us to um, break addictions in our lives is to avoid temptation. And so, because remember we saw in James, but each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires, talking about the fleshly desires and enticed. And so the first prize for the believer is to avoid the temptation because the temptation is what is the trigger to get the person to partake of that sinful practice and thus become addicted to it. And so we really want to avoid the temptation. Now the way we do that is through prayer. Prayer has the effect, so prayer doesn't really have the effect of breaking the addiction, but what prayer does is prayer uh, breaks the temptation. When I say breaks it, it helps us to avoid the temptation because when we pray, God maneuvers things around our lives so that we stay away from temptation. For our Lord says, uh, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So our Lord recognized that if we get placed in a situation where temptation is placed before us, even though our spirit is willing to serve the Lord, our flesh is weak. And so our flesh will be strongly attracted to that area of temptation. And so our Lord says, all right, the way you overcome this issue is pray that you do not enter into temptation. So when we pray, God then maneuvers things around us so that we don't get confronted with that temptation. Because our Lord understands that He doesn't want us really to be confronted with temptation, especially in areas where our, our, our spirits um, might be willing, but our spirits might still not be that strong. And so the flesh is stronger than the spirit. And so when the temptation arises in the individual's, individual's life, our flesh wins, spirit loses, and the, the believer partakes of the sin. And so the Lord says, first prize, pray that you do not enter into temptation. So that's, that's, that's the, one of the keys that the Lord gives us, that we should pray about these issues so that we don't get confronted with the temptation because of the problem that the flesh is weak in these areas and will want to submit to that temptation. But there is obviously um, another, there's, there's another aspect that key that the Lord has given us to deal with addictions now. So the one is to avoid the temptation, the other one is to now deal with the addiction itself. And the scripture we can look at is in uh, John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Uh, the scripture says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And now verse 32, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And so, it is the truth of God's word that actually does set us free. And so for the believer who is addicted in any area of their lives, if they would give themselves time in the word of God, abiding in the word of God, then they would know the truth of the word of God in that area and the truth would set them free. Now, how does that work? Well, the power of God dwell is released through his word. And we, I've, I've mentioned already that any addiction by and large is 
demon driven. There's a demon that's behind that addiction in some manner um, and forcing that uh, individual to follow after that particular path. And so that demon has to be dealt with. And the way that the demon gets dealt with is through the Word of God. Uh, it is the Word of God spoken over the life of the believer um, in authority which deals with the demonic influence. In the, Again, don't forget, we're talking about the body, the physical body. Now, we're not talking about being demon-possessed in the spirit. can't happen for a believer. And so a scripture we can look at to just highlight that truth for us is in Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. The scripture says, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. And so it's the Word of God that casts the spirit out of the individual. Now these individuals, we dealt with it before, when it says that they were demon-possessed, they were not demon-possessed like the man in Gadara, who was completely taken over by the demon. These were people that were um, partially possessed in that there were certain areas of their lives that they were tormented in because they had addictions in these, in these areas and they just couldn't break free from that. Um, it's because a demon was the driving force behind it. Now, the rest of their lives were fine, but just in this one area, they were addicted to it. They were bound by that particular demon in that area. And so our Lord would then deal with the demon through his word. For the scripture says, and he cast out the spirits with a word. And so it's the word of God that sets us free. As our Lord said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. What is the truth? The truth of God's word. His word sets us free. And so we, we learn what our rights are in Christ and who we are in Christ and the fact that we have dominion and we exercise dominion over all demons. There is no demon that is strong enough to um, um, resist the word of God. And so for the believer who understands what God has given them and the authority they have in Christ, it's very easy for them to deal with any addiction um, because they're able to speak the word of God over that addiction and take authority over it. And, you know, that's it. It, it becomes a non-issue in their lives from there on out. But then, don't forget, keep applying what our Lord then said, pray that you enter not into, into temptation. So we should never think that we are so spiritually mature that, you know, we can just uh, get go into any situation and it's not going to affect us. That's not the case at all. The, the Bible says to uh, Paul, speaking to Timothy, he says, flee sexual immorality. And there's certain things that the Bible talks, he's talking about spiritual people, he says, flee guys. Don't stand your ground and say, well, I'm not going to be touched by this. Bring it on. Not at all. There's certain areas we just, we stay away from. Um, and so it's foolishness to place oneself in um, the path of temptation. Rather stay away from it and pray that you stay away from it because that's first prize. But nevertheless, it's the, it's the truth of God's word that sets us free. And so we do need to be abiding in the word of God. And that's what we said. That's, uh, some believers, they get set free from whatever addictions as they come into the kingdom. That's supernatural by the power of God. But there are some other believers that as they grow spiritually, there is a gradual release from whatever addiction. But we should be walking free completely from any addiction. For an addiction is a bondage that is brought upon the, the life of the believer. And that's not the will of God. Not at all. God's will is for us to walk free. We've not received a spirit of bondage again to fear. That's in Romans 8.15. 
and we have been given power over all uh, authority over all of the power of the enemy so there's nothing there's no there's no demon powerful enough that can bind the believer who knows their rights in christ and exercises those rights um, in the name of jesus that demon just has to let go and you know, cannot in, in influence the life of that particular believer and so it's very important for us to walk free from addiction because don't forget these bodies belong to God and it does not we cannot offer our bodies to God as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto him if part of what we these bodies are operating in is areas of addiction because that's not the way you can offer your sacrifice to God. Now you're offering a blemished sacrifice to God. And that's not holy and acceptable to the Lord. Um, John 8.36 says, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And so we should most definitely walk completely free from all addictions. And then there's one last area I want to touch on today. And that is the area of... Uh, sexual immorality um, because it's a powerful uh, area that affects the body of the believer because we again the series it's practical because we're dealing with these physical bodies now the bible only condones one act or one sexual act and that's uh, this intimacy between a husband and a wife everything else is not condoned by the bible and is classified as being sexually immoral so you can think of whatever else you can think of that puts it under that category. The only thing that the Bible, that the Word of God sanctions is intimacy between a husband and wife, nothing else. So that's the, 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 um, the I don't know, the, the rule that we can apply to our lives. Uh, anything outside of the rule is uh, not of God, simple as that. It's not a complicated issue. Now, let's have a look at the scripture and then I'll comment on it. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 15 and 18 because remember we we need to think about the act of sexual immorality in the light of the fact that these bodies belong to god so in that light let's read the scripture he says do you not know that your bodies are members of christ so shall i then take the members of christ and make them members of a harlot certainly not or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her for the two he says shall become one flesh but he who is joined to the lord is one spirit with him flee sexual immorality now there in, when he speaks to timothy he says flee sexual immorality here he talks about it as well flee sexual immorality there's, there's just no way we should try and stand our ground in this area every sin that a man does is outside the body but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Now, when we commit sexual immorality, uh, we're sinning against our bodies, but we're also sinning against the body of Christ, because these bodies belong to him. And in fact, the Bible teaches us these bodies are his members. And so when we sin against his body, it talks about it, 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 it um, in the last part of that passage, it says, um, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. That's a double uh, meaning there, because we sin against our own body, but nevertheless we sin against his own body. 
And so it's a, it's a very serious thing for us to take these bodies, which are, belong to Christ and in fact are His body. For the Bible says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? So our bodies, not only our spirits, but our bodies are members of Christ. And so he says, you can't take the, 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 the body of Christ and join it to a heart because they then become one flesh. That's how God is designed to operate. And so he said, that's it's completely wrong. You can't do that. And so we need to really look at this particular sin um, in the right, um, what's the word I'm looking for? In the right light, because you know we we these bodies are not ours. We can't just go do with them what as we please. These bodies belong to God, and in fact, they not only not only only do they belong to God, but in fact they are God's. This is His body, so I can't take His body and go misuse it in that manner. That is an absolute abomination to the Lord, and so we really need to take this particular sin very, very seriously. And as he says in the scripture, uh, flee sexual immorality. So don't uh, think that you're strong enough to go and um, stand your ground in those areas. You're not. And we need to stay away from them because there is a very serious connotation if we choose to take this body which belongs to God, which in actual fact is his body, and go and misuse it in that area. Uh, God is not well pleased. And we cannot then take that body at the same time and present it to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto Him. And then go and join it to a harlot or whatever other sexual immoral, immoral areas you can think of. Because as I said, the scripture is very plain. The only intimacy the Bible condones is between a husband and wife. Nothing else. And that's uh, as plain as you can get. And that's all we're going to touch on today with regards to um, the physical body. We want to continue in this series going forward. We want to look at um, what God does to maintain our, our physical bodies. Because we looked at our, our, what we should be doing. We should be eating correctly. We should be doing a right amount of exercise. We should be giving ourselves over to rest. We shouldn't allow any addictions to take hold of our bodies um, and how to get out, out of addiction if they do take hold. Um, those issues. So we've dealt with the issues of the tenant. Now in the next uh, section we want to deal with the, our landlord's issue, what, what God has said he would do with regards to our bodies. But we're going to end the teaching on that point today. Amen.